Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the hell of it! Hello, fish nerds! It's so good to be here. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast. All information at fishnerds.com. We're so happy to be here. I got really busy this week fishing and didn't get a chance to mix a brand new podcast. But we've got over 100 podcasts in our archives that no one's heard since years ago when they first came out. So this time, this week, we're giving you a little effing rerun, a little Fish Nerds throwback. And this is perfect because next week, we're making a primer for new listeners episode. Our show has been growing a tremendous amount in the last year, which means we have lots of new listeners. Welcome to the podcast, all you new people. We're so happy that you're here. But... In order for you to really get us and get the show, it's great to have a little bit of background. So next week, we're going to have a primer for new listeners, but we do have a little bit of housekeeping before we get on to this week's show. First of all, we're running a contest right now, now called the FN Pet Peeve Contest. The FN Pet Peeve Contest is simple. You call our hotline, 607-378-FISH, and you leave us a voicemail, and you say, my fishing pet peeve is, and you fill in the blanks. So it could be my fishing pet peeve is people asking me what my pet peeves are. I'm Clay from New Hampshire. Just do it just like that. You can make it as long as you want to, and we will use it on the next episode, on the fishing pet peeve episode in two weeks. We'll take all those entries, and we'll toss them in a hat, and we'll draw out a winner. The winner will win. The winner will win glass water lead free lures, a package of fishing lures from Glasswater Lead Free Lures, from my friend John King, the crappy hippie. Uh, and I'll throw some other fun stuff in there, too. Maybe some decals. Maybe I'll even put a fish nerd's hat in. I don't know. Whatever I got laying around, you're going to get it. So just head on over and take care of that. 607-378-FISH, your fishing pet peeve. This effing throwback is brought to you by Spreadem. Spreadem is a portable outrigger for trolling for fish. It's a one-of-a-kind adjustable assistant for hooking up multiple lines to your boat without the hassle of crossing lines. Uh, everyone that's used the prototype has loved it. It's worked great. Uh, if you go to the officialhooklinesinker.com, officialhooklinesinker.com, you can watch videos on how this works. But we encourage fish nerds to always support small and independent companies. You support this podcast by sharing with your friends. You can support this spread them by giving a dollar or more to their campaign, to their Go, GoFundMe campaign. It's easy. Go to officialhooklinesinker.com for more information. If you give a, a little bit of money, they're going to give you a 10% coupon off anything on their website, as long as you write spread in the comments. In addition to the coupon, you will be entered to win an Arctic Armor ice fishing suit. So you've got nothing to lose. Your money helps a small business and gets you 10% off, and you can win a new ice fishing suit. If you pre-order Spreadem now, you can save 150 bucks off the outrigger. So if you've been looking for a new trolling solution, this is the product for you. For more information, go to officialhooklinesinker.com. And now enjoy this FN Fish Nerds throwback. Five, four, three, two, Somebody's heart. one, zero. Hello and welcome. Shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. And now, on with the show. 
Welcome to the Fish Nerds Podcast. It is the latest about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I am Dave. And I am Clay. Together we talk about fishy stuff that's happened to us, people we know, and other fish nerds we've seen. Anything is fair game, and it's a good bet that talking about food tonight will make Dave drool all over his microphone. (laughs) So good. We have delicate fillets of fishy awesomeness to talk about today. (laughs) And the rundown. The rundown to this show is awesome. Wow, I'm knocking stuff over. It's so awesome. (laughs) It's crazy. We talked to Jason in Texas about the buying tips from the market, uh, from a fish market, from an actual guy that's been owning a fish market for decades. Yeah, Boyd's, uh, Boyd's one stop in yeah, Texas Boyd's- City. <laughs> and then we talked to Hugo down at the Cape Cod Canal. He's a Cape Cod Canal rat. From Cape we'll Cod bit- Canal City. <laughs> We'll talk a little bit about what all that means. And he gave us some great insight on local fish like bluefish. So we, we've got that. We also have the Stump the Fish Nerds. Um, and we have, of course, Fish in the News. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up with Doc Martin's Fish Nerd Minute. Today, she talks about Black Drum. Awesome. Boyd's One Stop. Yeah, you know, it's Boyd's One Stop. Uh, Texas City Dave, that's a guy's name. It's his mother named Matt. Uh, reached, <laughs> he reached out to the fish nerd probably six or eight months ago on our yeah. Facebook page just to have us share his his, fa- his Facebook page for the Boyd's uh, One Stop. And we shared it out, and they shared our page out. And we got all these great Texas people checking in with us. And when we were looking for a... A, uh, an expert to talk about sourcing and eating fresh local fish, first people we thought of was Boyd. So if you're not already on our Facebook page, get on there, because that's where the action is these days. Get on the Fish Nerds Facebook page, communicate with us, talk to us, and when we're looking for people to get on the show, that's where we're going to go, is grab up people who we kind of feel comfortable with, like Texas City Dave checking in. Of course, we didn't talk to him. We got the boss. We got Jason, who was the owner of Boyd's One Stop, to talk to us all about how to source fish. Oh, the fish nerds are happy because we're talking to fish nerds uh, not halfway around the country, south of the, I don't know, in Texas. <laughs> We've got Jason Cogburn on the line here from Boyd's One Stop. So, Jason, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Good. Well, hey, thanks for taking time to uh, to talk with us. Now, you're down in Texas City, and it wasn't five minutes ago where I figured out where that was. Um, but that's in the Houston area. Is that right? It is. Actually, um, we're about 10 minutes from Galveston. Everybody knows Galveston. Nobody knows where Texas City is. So. <laughs> I don't know where either of those are. <laughs> so, and you're known, you're known best for, uh, for your shrimp and your crawfish. Is that correct? We are. We sell, a, we sell a lot of Louisiana crawfish where I'm at it. Uh, we sell a lot of shrimp. We got a lot of shrimp that comes in from the different docks that we deal with. Um, yeah, yeah, that's two of our main products, but we we get a lot of local fish as well. Mm. And and so, hey, so no, is it? Do you own the business? I do, I do. Yes, well, con- that's congratulations. I mean, you've got 
people all over the world check it in with you. I've been watching, you know, your stuff on Facebook. Um, and it's, it's kind of fun to see all the pictures people are sharing. Uh, now we're doing a show today about sourcing local fish and you know, you're not local to us, but you're local to yourself. So when you're going and you're, and you're looking at fish in the market, what's, what do you look for in a fish? Like, how do you know it's fresh? How do you know you should buy it? What shouldn't you buy? Sure. Well, one of the things that you can do is the first thing you do is check out the price. Usually the highest price fish is the freshest. <laughs> no, wait a minute. You you own a, you no. own a fish market, right? I do. Okay, I do. just just wanted to make sure that was clear. All right. That that really depends on on what kind of fish you're looking for, because uh, I mean, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Um, but real, to to really be honest with you, when you go in and you look for fish, usually when you buy whole fish, you're going to get the freshest product. When you buy them already filleted, there's a reason why they're filleted. Now you can get fish like tilapia and stuff like that, and it's going to be it's going to be it's going to look really fresh and it's vacuum sealed and it's got a pretty color. But you know, tilapia is not a fish that you it's not a high market fish like a red snapper or something like that. Usually, when you find a fish already filleted, there's a reason why it's filleted. And uh, you know, the eyes is, is one of the first things you can look at. It's kind of like with the shrimp. You can do a lot of things to the tail of the shrimp to make it look pretty. But you can't do anything to make the head stay on it, and it's kind of the same way with the with the fish. Um, you know, when when a fish starts getting old, its eyes start sinking in, uh, the gills start turning a different color, and there's nothing you can do to prevent that. Wow, good, oh, good. That helps. yeah, that that helps. Yeah, that helps a whole lot. <laughs> and the gills, when you look at them, you, the, you want to make sure that they're 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 like a blood red. When they start getting brown, even after you freeze a fish, a lot of times the gills will turn mm. brown. So, um, you know, that's one of the indications that it's old. And after you freeze it, the eyes look different. You know, the more, the more clarity in the eyes, um, the more blood, you know, red blood, the um, fresh blood, blood looking the gills are, the fresher the fish is. Another thing you can look at is the, is the skeletal features. Um, I was going to touch on this earlier. And the slime. Those are two things. If they look like they don't have much slime on them, it's probably because they've been frozen and the slime's dried out. And skeletal features usually that's going to go along with the, the darker, um, the darker gills and uh, the sunken in eyes. Just, just just start seeing the skeleton kind of pop out because the meat starting to sink. And you know, just little things you look for like that. Hey, um, that's great. I have a question, and, and I heard this from somebody once where they said, when you when you catch a fish, they're actually best if if they if you let them sit. So like if you don't eat them right right away, and their their argument was so I guess when you catch a fish, especially trout and things, they they go through rigor mortis. They they stiffen up and then they'll loosen up. Huh. And then and then the argument was the guy said, yeah, you have to wait for the fish to find its flavor. <laughs> I don't know if that was just BS or what, but have you ever like, heard of that? Like it, it sounds like you, you ran across a guy who had some old fish and was justifying him eating it. When you get fish into your market. Are are they already like gutted, or do you get live fish brought in? No, yeah, we don't get live fish, but we get them. Uh, a lot of the fish that we get in, we get them straight from the the fishermen. So mm-hmm. everything's fresh, it's iced, and it's ready to roll. Right. So they just cut it at sea, stick it in ice, bring it to you guys. Right. Exactly. That's great. That's great. It's usually coming straight from the net, straight from the gig, or straight from the pole. But Jason, I I. I I'm shocked when I read stuff in the newspaper where it says, I mean, I've seen things like 90% of the nation's seafood is coming from overseas. Is that, do you, do you see those same kind of numbers? Well, I know that that's the way it is with the shrimp 
And, um, you know, one of the things, because that's one of our biggest industries, and a lot of people this last year, the, the in this last probably 15 months, the, the price of shrimp was almost doubled. And the reason why is because there was an outbreak of, um, of viruses that killed a lot of the shrimp across the world. And it wasn't in just one particular area. It was all across the, the world. There was like a, a virus outbreak. And so there was a, a, a cut. Um, because of those outbreaks, it cut the imports 30%. And, uh, you know, when you're dealing with 30%, uh, and we get 90% in, there has to be, that has to be made up. So what happened to domestic shrimp is over the, the last 15 months, we tried to spread that domestic shrimp um, from 10% to 40%, and it's caused the price to skyrocket. Huh. So, you know, like for instance, um, last year for a 31-35 tail, which is a good-sized ball and tail, we were paying around 4 bucks a pound. Well, this year, um, and that's delivered, this year we have to go pick them up, and we're paying seven dollars and twenty-five. So you know you see the vast difference that uh, the last fifteen months make. Plus, when you start taking a lot of this domestic shrimp, because the quality is so much better than the import, and people start getting a taste of it, well, people start saying, "Wow, this is so much better than the import stuff," and the demand goes up that way as well. So domestically, our shrimpers have seen a really good price increase in the product over the last. Wow, that, that's amazing how this has become a globe, you know, global issue that viruses halfway around the world are affecting life livelihoods, you know, there in Texas as people are feeding their families and stuff. So, so that's that's good news for for shrimpers down <coughs> there. I used to do shrimping um, with my parents out in the uh, Straits of Juan de Fuca out in the north northwest, and we would get like these great big like tiger shrimps and stuff like that. We put these shrimp these huge pots down. They come up packed up with shrimp, and we'd find really cool animals hiding in the and the shrimp pots, like octopuses and stuff like that. Do you get to go on the shrimping boats at all, or do you just collect the shrimp when they come in? No, I sometimes I haven't gone in a while, but um, it's a lot of work, so I try to stay away from it. It's a lot of work. <laughs> there's, 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 enough, there's enough work to do right there at the shop, and uh, yeah. the processing is a, is a pretty big job as well. And yeah. uh, But see, one of the things about shrimping um, is – we have no upcoming shrimpers. You can't even get a shrimp license in Texas. I think since like the mid nineties, um, everything's grandfathered in. The, the state has came in and, and bought back a lot of licenses. We went from over four thousand licenses uh, of shrimp back in the the, uh, the, the early nineties. Now we have less than seven hundred total licenses. Wow. So yeah, it's been a and, and there's less than four hundred boats complete. You know, on the Texas coast. Okay, and now so, is that an effort an effort to protect the population, or is it overreaching of the of the regulations? Well, the, the the problem with that is is the regulations are the same that they were back in the 1980s. It wasn't for overpopulation back then. The regulations needed to be put in place, but you know one of the things that Texas Parks and Wildlife set out to do was to cut the fleet by about 90 percent, and that's what they've done. Actually, wow. their their goal was 50 percent, but they cut it by 90 percent. And um, but the regulations are still for as if, if it was still forty five hundred licenses out there, and uh, and they're not. There's there's you know just a, you know less than four hundred boats. So you know it's tough. And and because of the last you know fifteen or so years, the price of shrimp's been down. The diesel prices have, have done nothing but rise. It's really made these uh, made these fishermen. Um, it, it, no nobody wants to become a shrimper because there's no money in it. And you know it, it's not something you can just learn in six months. It takes years to learn the craft. And uh, so we have all of our shrimpers are in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, and dying off. We, we lost one that was 45 uh, years old 
just a few weeks ago. His boat overturned. He got caught in a squall and, oh, you know, man. had his family on his, on his boat. Saving his family, he passed yeah. away. So, you know, it, it's a it's a rough business. But, um, yeah, there is no upcoming shrimper. So when we lose the fleet we have, that's it. There's, there's that's nothing it. left. Wow. wow. I had no idea. <laughs> wow. This, it seems like everything involved with fishing, all the way from the fisheries management to the actual economy, it's just one big experiment that people are just kind of, you know, turning dials and seeing what happens. And it's so tragic when you hear, you know, when the dials get turned too far and, and it's affecting people's lives. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, but but I have a question that I, as soon as I learned that now on your website you said something like you're the you're the shrimp capital of the, the Texas or something. We're the we're the live shrimp capital of Texas. We we do we sell yeah we sell a lot of live shrimp on the um, probably uh, up there at the top. I don't know the, of anybody that sells as much live shrimp as we do. We we sell a lot of live shrimp for fishing. Live shrimp is great for speckled trout, for flounder, and for redfish, which is kind of like the the three kings of fish down here. That's what everybody mm-hmm. fishes for. We call them the big three. Wow, yes. nice. Now, on a scale of one to ten, one or uh, ten being like you, you really want to throw up. How <laughs> how do you feel when people come in and make up the Forrest Gump Bubba Shrimp jokes? Oh, I was gonna because <laughs> I would think that would happen a lot. Well, you know, my first place that I opened up in the in the mid nineties. I've been at Boyd since nineteen eighty nine. And um, mm-hmm. and I left, and, and I ended up buying the place in 99. But in the mid-90s, I opened up a, a, a seafood market, and we called it Bubba J's. My sisters always called me Bubba. My girlfriend called me Jay, so we opened it. So <laughs> I, I, and that was right about right after the Forrest Gump movie. So I dealt yep. with a lot of those jokes for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of opened myself up for them, so. Yeah, 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 you got it. Yeah, yeah, you were kind of unfortunate <laughs> lining up there. So. <laughs> man, man. Well, as long as people oh, are wow, buying that's... shrimp, who cares, right? I mean, as long as well, you're money. know, luckily, luckily, where I where I opened up the seafood market, it was in a Hispanic neighborhood. I don't think they caught the movie, so I was I was probably blessed in that <laughs> sense. That I, but I've heard my fair share, no doubt. I bet you yeah. <laughs> have. Well, then we we won't share any with you. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll spare spare you from those. The the guy we talked to before you was talking about the importance, at least with bluefish, of bleeding the fish. So when he would catch a bluefish, first thing he'd do is is cut the arteries up around the uh, the neck area and bleed them out. And he's heard people cut tails off and do that. Do people do that in the commercial field? Do they bother bleeding fish? No, we don't really have that many fish to bleed, but there are several fish that we catch in this area that, that we do bleed. One of them is called a gaff top, which is a freshwater, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a saltwater catfish. Yeah, and uh, yeah. they have a they have a lot of blood, and if you don't bleed them, what happens is when you're cutting that um when you're cutting it off the the, the skin of the catfish, there's blood that gets in, and it just gives it a really fishy taste. So if you can if you can catch the fish fresh, you can bleed it before that 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 blood settles in there between the skin. It really takes away the fishy taste, and um and it, it's usually after you cook it, it turns brown. That blood will turn brown. It gives it a really really strong fishy taste. And also sharks. We got a lot of people around here that eat like black tip sharks and sand sharks. We have to bleed those as well. So mm. and we've we've done All the right. shark thing, so that's that's true. <laughs> um, the last thing. So th- this has been great, and uh, you you sound like a, a person that is that is. A, it's happy to uh, to try anything once. Um, we typically give fish quizzes to our guests. 
and they're they're a fish based quiz based on something else in the world. And what this one is today, I don't know if you know this, but in 1977, this was the first. This was the day in 1977 that a picture was taken with the moon and the Earth in one picture. And it was the Voyager spacecraft that, as it was leaving the atmosphere, it turned around and took a picture. And that was the first time ever the moon and the Earth had been in one picture. Wow. Okay, yeah, kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> so this fish quiz, keeping in mind that the moon and the Earth are, are partners, are buddies, this is called the fish buddy quiz. And what the fish buddy quiz is, I will explain a relationship, and your job is to tell me the fish that I'm talking about or the Hollywood movie that I'm talking about. So this is both buddy movies and fish that have a relationship with something else out in the world. So like, for instance, uh, you know those shark suckers, those remoras that attach to sharks? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> those are one of those fish buddies where those fish are always around the other ones. So are you, are you, uh, are you up for a few of these questions? <laughs> okay. It's been a while since I took a test, so. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you a choice. I can give you a fish question or a movie question. Yeah, give me a fish question. All right. All right. A fish question. Here you go. So, brightly, then this is like a movie synopsis, right? So, a brightly colored marine fish forms a lifelong affair with an anemone and avoids the bitter sting of a relationship gone bad. What fish am I talking about? Mm-hmm. Brightly colored fish tag teams up with an anemone and actually was also the subject of a movie from Pixar. That's an easy one. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm not good at these kind of games. But I <laughs> <laughs> the movie was Finding Nemo. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of that movie. That's <laughs> Finding Nemo. Okay. And so what kind of fish was Nemo? Man. Let's see. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Was he yeah. a goldfish? <laughs> well, he, yeah, gold he was very cold. <laughs> the brightly colored, they call them clownfish. Clownfish. And the neat thing about clownfish is that they don't get stung by these anemones. And basically, they, they, the two live together. And the brightly colored clownfish draws in fish like predators, and the anemone eats them when they come in. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was just yeah, a warm up anyway. That, was, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a good thing I did so well in the warm-up. I can't yeah. wait. I'm <laughs> loosen them up. All right. So now do you want a movie one or a fish one? We'll only do two two more here so or three more. All right. Let's do a movie one. A uh, movie one. Okay. So these these synopsis are coming from the internet, I, IMDB. So, um, so this one is the synopsis is Jake, just out from prison, puts together his old band to save the Catholic home where he and brother Elwood were raised. Oh. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> play, you can play too. That is awesome. I'm going to let you play with me. That's, that's, I'm going to miss this week of movies. Uh, you're going to know this one. You're going to know this one. So, is it the Blues Brothers? It uh, is the Blues, Blues Brothers. Wow. Yes. <laughs> the uh, Blues Brothers, Elwood, yes. right? Jake and Elwood yeah. of the Blues Brothers. Yes, yeah, a buddy movie if there ever was one, right? Mm-hmm. Man, We're on a mission I've for never God. Seen that movie. 
Oh, you're missing. Oh, you never out. seen that movie. I did. I did. And Pacino didn't John Belushi play in that movie? Yeah. Yes, he did. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you, I've never you seen know that stuff. Movie. You have to understand. I work for a living. I come on. <laughs> Maybe twenty years ago, you could have watched a movie. Years ago. <laughs> All right. So wait, twenty years ago. Let let me let me look for a movie here. When when did you graduate from high school, Jason? You know what? I was real big into watching movies in the nineties. So okay, nineties. Okay, let me find a nineties movie. Okay, here we go. My you problem ready? is I don't remember what I did in my nineties. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Go ahead. All right. All right. Here we go. Um, so this one is the cross country adventure of two good hearted but incredibly stupid friends. <laughs> I think we talked about this earlier. Bubba Gump. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's not. Not above. No, they, oh, they were Dumb friends. Oh, Dumb and Dumber. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that that that's the flagship for the fish nerds. That's, that's right. uh, <laughs> Clay and I are often referred to as that. <laughs> All right, and uh, I'll, I'll give you one fish one that you don't have a chance of getting. Okay, so. <laughs> I feel like they set our guests up for failure. But it's crazy. All right, I'll, I'll tell you this one. So, voted the worst house guest ever. This fish lives in the anus of a sea cucumber, <laughs> and sometimes it eats their gonads. <laughs> You're right about that one. I'm never going to get that one. Oh, I'm horrified. <laughs> Didn't know that kind of fish existed. Uh, fish yes, there, there's a whole family of fish called pearl fish, and they live in the anuses of these of these ectoderms, like sea cucumbers, and I think like starfish and things too. But it's horrible. And if you go online, you know you have to be careful what you type into Google. But if you type in the right words, you'll see videos of these fish swimming into these these sea cucumbers. Uh, so did I hear you right? A starfish actually has an anus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's pretty incredible. I That's that. pretty incredible. <laughs> yes. So, and apparently there's a fish in it off, often. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, the pearl fish. You better hope you know, reincarnation doesn't happen because then you, know, you come back as a pearl fish. Oh, that's terrible. That's pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty rough. <laughs> All right. So that, that's the buddy quiz. Yeah. So, yeah, you got, you got a couple movies there. That's good. We're, we're, we'll call you a winner. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you had to tolerate you talking about anus fish or whatever that was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pearl fish. Yeah. Hey, there's, an, there's, another, there's another fish, too, that relates to shrimp. This is pretty cool. So a small fish with good eyesight lives in the same burrow as a blind shrimp. And then together... They they live together, so the fish warns the shrimp, and the shrimp builds the house. And th- those are called watchman gobies. Oh, is are, are those fish? But these little fish live right next to the shrimp, and uh, they basically are their eyes. Wow, totally cool. Yeah, good. <laughs> all right, <laughs> it's very 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 fish nerdy. We are called the fish nerds after all. <laughs> I'm understanding that more and more. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Jason, Jason, thanks so uh, much. Yeah, thank you. And how can, um, if people want to find out more about what you do and who you are, how can people get hold of you? Well, they can call the store. The, uh, the store down there is 409-945-4001. They can check us out on Facebook, or they can check us out on the website at voiceonestop.com.
Boyd's One Stop. The website is www.boydsonestop.com. Yeah, and you can find them on Facebook, too. Just Google them up. The cool thing about them, too, Dave, is you can text them for your fish order. Did you know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's no. awesome. So while That's you're great. driving uh, – no, never mind. I was going to say, while, <laughs> while you're driving to get your fish, you can text them for what you want. You know, 30 pounds of live shrimp, they can do that for you. <laughs> that's, that's not, and, and I, I love the name of the, the, the stop, you know, the, the, sh, uh, the shop. I mean, yeah. one stop, you know, it's got it. And it reminds me of, you, you ever listen to those auto dealers? That, that try their commercials and they stay, and they say, gosh, I can't talk today. Um, <laughs> they say that, uh, you know, shop us last. This will be your last stop, yeah. you know, when shopping for a car. I know. Why don't they that say, why don't you come here first and then just be done? You know? <laughs> well, it always sounds like a threat to me. I know. Like, <laughs> this will be the last <laughs> car you ever buy. <laughs> <laughs> Seen the, the Hugo Dr. Hugo doll, Dave? Dr. Hugo doll. Yeah, Google it up. It's Dr. Hugo, and it's the right uh, the man of a thousand faces. It's Dr. Hugo doll. It's this doll that was out when I was a kid. There was a puppet, but inside oh there's all God. kinds of hats and things. He looks just like Hugo, who we're talking to, Hugo Madeiras. <laughs> I'm not making this up. You're not making no. it up. Oh my God. <laughs> That's wild. We should have asked Hugo about the resemblance. You know, maybe it was part of his family or something. I'll, I'll do a side by side and put it up for on Facebook, um, so you can check out the comparison between Doctor Hugo, the man of a thousand faces, and Hugo Madeiras, the man who could cook anything, including blue balls. So check out our interview with Hugo from the Canal Rats in Cape Cod. <laughs> Well, the fish nerds are very excited because here live on air, well, live at least for us, um, we've got somebody that we've been friends with on Facebook for, for almost, I think, as long as we've been doing this thing. We have Hugo. Hugo, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for uh, having me on. <laughs> well, you're great because every time one of your posts comes through, it, you're always cooking something amazing. And I uh, just tonight you you posted blue balls. Can you explain blue balls, please? <laughs> I Dave, I can explain blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that name just you know jumps right out at me. Yeah, it so feels right. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of it's like a kind of fish cake, right? Or croquettes, like a croquette. Mm. And um, in Portugal, they're famous, and they make them with uh, salt pot. So I cooked some bluefish. I had a beautiful big fillet of uh, bluefish that I caught myself. Just put some uh, some spices on it, some flour and paprika and garlic powder. You know, just the spice, uh, spices I had on hand that I liked. Pan fried. I have two big fillets actually. Pan fried one. Ate, uh, the both of them ate one. Had the other one left over, and I remembered. You know, my family used to make these croquettes all the time. So I made them the same way, and I'm like, well, it's with uh, bluefish, so, um, and they're around. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
there we have it. No, but yeah, they're they're really good. They're really good. Now it's you know Dave and I usually use alliteration for our titles. It seems that you were following our lead with that. Uh, it was you just read my mind with the alliteration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you seem to be make actually a better recipe. I mean that looks so so delicious. Uh, if you're not already following the Fish Nerds on Facebook, get on there and look for Hugo's posting because every couple of days he puts up a great looking new fish. Now Hugo, most people, uh, especially in New England, typically don't eat bluefish. What makes you think they're so edible? There's there's a couple tricks like. Uh, you know, they're like a darker fish. People call them oily, which I don't understand because, I don't know, they don't seem oily to me. But the trick is, is when you catch them, you have to bleed them right away as soon as you can, right when they're out of the water. If you don't do that, then it's not going to be as fresh, not going to be as good for sure. So you want to bleed them and then put them on ice as soon as possible. Now, when you that's, now that's when it. you when you bleed them, are you cutting like right under their chin, kind of thing, or at, at, what are you cutting open there? Yep, just under. Well, like um, where like the jugulars would be on both sides, just under the uh, fins on both sides of the uh, just past the head. Okay. Yep. Right. And a friend of mine actually told me another trick that I'd never heard anyone else use is he just chopped off the tail. Huh. And it bleeds right out. Really? That's what he told me. I believe the kid 100%. And he said he does that every time. I guess it makes sense because they got to move so much blood back to those muscles because they're, su- I mean, they're just constantly swimming. So, yeah, uh, Dave, the, the, the first time I cooked a sea lamprey, that's what I did. I tied a string to its head, hung it from a cabinet, chopped the end of the tail off and bled it that way. So I guess it's possible. Oh, cool. Nice. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. You know, I think maybe if somebody didn't have a prepared right or it wasn't, you know, bled like that or it wasn't put on ice, you know, if you're on a boat all day or something, then, it, you know, I can understand. But, no, and I've made them for so many people. I've brought them to, you know, friends' parties and barbecues, and I've grilled it and cooked it there, and I've never had anybody say, nah, that's not for me. Everybody's no. loved it. Yeah, that's great. Now, normally I can't catch the big ones, so I end up with those little snappers, you know, like six, seven-inch fish. Are are those, can you do something with those? Oh, absolutely. I love those. Yeah, I catch, I caught a bunch of those this year just uh, about a week ago. Um, The smaller, the better with those little guys. And uh, with those, I just scale them, gut them, uh, roll them in flour. And again, you know, you can put whatever spices you like in the flour and deep fry them until they're crunchy. And then you can pick them up by the tail, eat the whole thing, bones and all. Oh, that's good. And and smaller yeah. the better. That's good for my fishing uh, abilities. That's right. That's good. <laughs> well, those guys, those guys are fun to catch. If you do, I don't know how you guys do it. You know, you can use like a small cast master or the best one is the Siddiqui jigs. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Siddiqui jigs, you get five out of time. They're all running in circles. It's awesome. <laughs> it's good times. <laughs> uh, Hugo, if you were, like, you know, we have people all over the world listening to this, and at least 10 or 12 people. And so, and they all catch fish different ways and cook different kinds of fish. Is there a generic piece of cooking fish advice you can give? Like, just one thing, if it doesn't matter what kind of fish it is, what would, so let's say you have a random fish, you don't know the kind it is. How would you cook it? What's the advice you give? Uh, if, if I didn't know, well, I would say fry it. Absolutely. <laughs> when in doubt, fry it, huh? Yeah, 
absolutely. I, like I said, you, yeah, you, yeah, you can do with any fish, and it tastes, you know, if the fish is well, it's got to be fresh fish, first of all. You know, there's no doubt about that. If it's not fresh, I wouldn't even touch it. Oh, we'll get a hot dog. Uh, but then, you know, uh, just take some flour, <laughs> spice it up. You know, you can do uh, salt, pepper, paprika, garlic powder, whatever you like. But just simple flour, spiced up the way you like it. Uh, roll the fish in the flour. Put, um, you know, like a quarter inch of uh, oil on the vegetable oil in the bottom of a, of a frying pan. And pan fry it, you know, uh, average fish, you know, let's say a fillet is like three quarters of an inch thick. I probably do four or five minutes on each side and that's it. I mean, you don't want to eat fried food three days, uh, three times a day for the rest you of the do, You don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, actually, I kind of do. <laughs> yes, great. Um, and now, now, Dave and I have some minnows that have been in, our, in my freezer for well over a year. Uh, they're they're about an inch long. One's a, we have a, a, <laughs> a northern red belly dace, a fine scale dace, and a uh, long-nosed sucker. And they're all tiny, maybe less than an inch long. Caught on a fly, by the way. Uh, what? How would you cook that? I would put this, with any little fish, I do it the same as a snapper. Yeah, uh, deep fry it until they're really crispy. And then you yeah. can just, you know, you can dip it in soy sauce and just eat the whole thing. Yeah, and they're so small. We, You know, it'll taste like the sauce you put on them, I bet. Yeah, it'll be like little chips, little fish yeah. chips. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> That's how we did our very first minnow we ever caught our golden shiners are great the little one inch size ones breaded and fried whole just gut them leave the head on eat the head and all they're fantastic yeah, yeah it's and yeah we've done it we've done it that way we've also smoked them and no kidding mm. i i'm convinced that if you had a big bucket of those and cold beers at a bar mm-hmm. watching watching football you would make a million dollars i mean they're crazy good uh, they would just take forever to prepare. Is <laughs> the only problem. <laughs> Not practical. Yeah, uh, you know that I did that once with Shotty, also known as a cunner. Oh yeah. Oh yes, yes, love cunners. I think it was winter time or real early spring this year. Uh, hadn't been down the canal, you know, all winter long. Obviously, um, was dying to get down there. Was on a mission to go down there at least, you know, see the place. You know, because we don't fish there all winter. Went down there. The only thing around was trogs. We call them trogies. They're cunners. Those little tiny brown <laughs> fish with the teeth. Yeah, yeah trogers. That's so good. I, yeah. And everybody hates those because they steal your bait. And as far as anybody knows, they're worthless to eat. So, you know, I do things to spike all that thinking. So I brought home like 28 of those things. <laughs> they have big scales on them that are like tough to get off like a striper. Mm. They have sharp dorsal fins and teeth. And I had 28 of these little two inch guys to clean. It was so much work, which is, you know, not that bad by itself. But then, um, you know, I deep fried them, made it crunchy, went to eat them. And my wife, she eats everything like me. She looked at me and looked at those, wouldn't touch them. (laughs) As she saw me start to eat them. They have so many real hard uh, little bones all throughout the flesh <laughs> that it was a nightmare. But, I, you know, 
I, I brought them home, so, you know, I said, I'm going to eat every single one of them because I brought them home. Yeah, yeah. I ate them all. took me like an hour and a half. <laughs> I would never, ever do it again. <laughs> well, good. And, and, you're, and you're a lot like us. When you're a total fish nerd, you like to, you get obsessed with, with certain species of fish. And can you tell us about your most recent obsession? Oh, yeah. So, the... Um, there's uh, the fish that are coming had been coming through were these um, false albacores and bonitos too. So I guess in the past they haven't been you know coming through as much as they did in the last two or three weeks. But you know they were coming through here in um, around Massachusetts and Rhode Island, and everybody worse than the bluefish was saying the false albacore is atrocious to eat. Don't even think about it. There's out of everyone I've talked to, probably 50 people, one person said, yeah, my family likes it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the one I have to try. And if they're right, they're right. But I want to try it because I told them, I said, you know what? People say they don't like bluefish. I love bluefish. People say that about mackerel. I love mackerel. My friend said, you know what? I've eaten bluefish. I've eaten mackerel. It's not that bad. This one is bad. <laughs> uh, we, we look forward to, uh, for, to hearing the report. Now, are false abacore the same as little toonies? I think so, yeah, little toonies. Yeah, I think now, that's did, the one. Didn't, didn't I hear once that little toonies were, um, were a little bit poisonous? Like in the flesh from some of the uh, foods they eat from them? Yeah, it's called sigutara. Sigutara poisoning? Yeah. And, okay. and okay. it's a, uh, it is, it's associated with, with reef, I think it's diatoms, or no, dinoflagellates, which is basically plankton. Mm, that's right. And uh, yeah, they, they carry a toxin, but I think you're okay up here because you got the wrong corals and the wrong, I, I think you're okay. Yeah, why don't you eat a whole bunch and let us know how it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> the poor Albies can't get a break. <laughs> the Albies. No, so I think the Albies have a really good public relations department. You know, they're, they're they're getting the word out that they taste terrible. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, mm, keep telling them that. Keep telling them that. Well, that's awesome. Thanks. Thanks yeah, so no, much. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, well, I'll definitely keep, uh, you know, I'm cooking fish like that in, in the season, spring, summer, and fall, probably like at least four nights a week. So I'll keep uh, sending pictures your way out on the uh on the Fish Nerds Facebook page. Stump the Fish Nerds. I love Stump the Fish Nerds. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're getting people just, like, coming up to you and trying to stump you, right? I did. I got totally stumped tonight. I was at an event uh, at the local high school, and somebody walked up to me. I mean, it was, actually, it was some friend of ours, Chris Pru, station manager of White Mountains TV. And he goes, hey, hey, Clay, I got to stump the fish nerds for you. And I'm like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> I didn't have my Google machine with me. And so <laughs> I said, what is it? And he goes, uh, what's the largest fish in the world? And I... I I couldn't... Largest freshwater. Freshwater fish in the world. And I couldn't 
I couldn't come up with it at the time. I was thinking, God, it must be a big, I must be a minnow. And then I started thinking freshwater skate. Uh, and I got them all wrong, everything I said. And uh, the only hint he gave me was it's from like Thailand or something. So, yeah, yeah, that doesn't count unless unless somebody could give you a species. Yeah, so I, I'm not gonna. Win. In fact, I I don't think Dave, we should share the answer. Largest freshwater fish in the world. If you're listening to this podcast and you can think of the largest freshwater fish in the world, go on our Facebook page and post up a picture. Just Google up the image of the largest freshwater fish in the world and um, share it with us, and we'll put your name in a hat for a prize. I don't know what prize we're going to do, but we'll figure something out. <laughs> we will. We will figure something out. Sure, yeah. we will. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. Yeah. Um, well, except for Chris. Got... Chris, you're not eligible. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this came across the the hotline. Uh, hi, fish nerds. <clears throat> this is Sullivan Weston from Burlington, Vermont. And today, I was wondering what are your favorite tactics to catch um, sucker? What is your favorite time of the year? And what's your favorite habitat where you find the most of them? Thanks, and bye. Goodbye, sir. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. <laughs> so, um, I, I've got an answer for this. Uh, go for it. You know what? Before you answer, though, let's talk a little bit about Sullivan Weston. Yep. Uh, for those who are longtime listeners, which is probably nine or ten of you guys, uh, <laughs> uh, Sully from Burlington, Vermont. This is probably his fourth, uh, <laughs> fourth stump the fish nerds. He can call every week, and we'll play it every single week. If you're yep, not will. currently calling in uh, to play stump the fish nerds, you're missing out. It's the phone number is six zero seven three seven eight fish. We'd love to hear from you, and even if it's asking our opinion. Put it up there, and we'll uh, we'll share it on our show. So, Dave, go ahead with your answer. <laughs> so, the question was, what is my favorite tactic for suckers, uh, favorite time of year, and favorite habitat? Okay? Mm-hmm. So, my favorite tactic for suckers is to, is to go up to them and say – Dude, my car broke down, and I, I just I just need like ten bucks to get uh, to get a little gas to get home, and, and that's all I need. Yeah. So that that's that's my favorite one. And and as for time of year, well, mm-hmm. the habitat is around anything like North Station in Boston, <laughs> um, or any tourist attractions. Mm, good call, yeah. Be- because yeah, the fav- favorite time of year is definitely peeper season, mm-hmm. leaf season. Mm. So as tourists come through, um, saying that also, and, and by the way, um, I'm willing to babysit your kids, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, an, another, another, good, another good tactic is to have a child with you mm. and, and say, my child hasn't eaten in a week. Oh, that's Could a you? great one. Yeah. Yes. You so, know, it's um, making me sad that you're going on with this so long. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit. You got to go with a bit. I know. You got to commit and go. I wasn't feeling go. it, Dave. I wasn't feeling it because I was going to say my favorite tactic for for catching a sucker is like I bring my kids. I go to the bank and then they we can pick the color we want: green or red or yellow. Oh, see that sucker. So it just it's worse. It gets worse. <laughs> it is so worse. It just, you should answer the question. All right. And try not to use any foul language or any racist uh, tone this time. 
I, <laughs> this time. Yeah. All right. I won't. I'm never, by the way, I'm uh, never those things. Go back. Listen to all the shows. <laughs> I'm never those things. Yeah. I'm serious. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to start a bad, bad reputation. Well, maybe it'll help us. <laughs> Uh, suckers, sorry, Sully, we got sidetracked. Um, the suckers that you'll probably be encountering are white suckers, mm-hmm. and uh, they're some of my favorite fish. When I grew uh, growing up in Indiana, we had, gosh, 15, 20 different species of suckers out there. Uh, they're called, uh, there's a whole s- line of them called red horse. You have short, short nose, red horse, long nose, red fin, red horse. I don't know about that, but uh, red horse suckers is a big one. Uh, they also have a hog nose sucker. They have all these suckers. And um, my favorite tactic has always been just straight ahead worm. Mm. And my best luck has been sight fishing. So I've never went, I've never went bone fishing down in Texas or in Florida in the, uh, in the mangroves, but I get a sense it's about the same because suckers, you'll see them. And especially in the spring. So that gets the favorite time of year too. Um, in streams as they come up to spawn. And, and I think suckers do a one female, two males scenario. Yes. Uh, when they come up to spawn and you can see them right in the shallows. And if you can float a worm right in front of them, they'll, they'll be inclined to pick it up. I've had that actually, I'll, I'll post in the show notes, uh, the white, a uh, white sucker I caught this year, actually. Doing it that and, trick and that, during the spawn? Uh, it, yeah, it was during the spawn. It was right. It was right where the Creek chub sucker area is, which are different. They're not real suckers. Um, and, uh, and there was a nice white sucker there that I caught on like two pound tests on a big uh, bear hook or something. Um, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, those suckers are really they're, they're fun. They fight good. They're big fish, and they fight good for a while, and then and then that's it. But Clay, do you have a different answer? I d- I do. First of all, I, I have terrible time catching suckers during the spawn. I could I, there's a pond near my house where you can see them spawning, and you can smash them in the head with a worm, and they don't care. They won't bite it. Uh, so what I do is I grab a spear if it's legal, and I go out and I like to spear them. The only <laughs> you're not patient enough. No, the oh, no. The only the only drawback to spearing a sucker in New Hampshire it can only be done for during the spawn. Uh, the only drawback to that is you have to eat them. <laughs> Why so, do you have to eat them? Well, if you're killing it, I mean, uh, if you have good ethics, if you're killing something, you got to eat it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. So that, Although it have, matches have, the theme for our show too, doesn't it? <laughs> right. Have you ever tried like a like a plunger? I, I should have. Then oh, use a sucker to catch a sucker. Like a, yes. Yes. So like a <laughs> or, or maybe a vacuum. Yes. Yes. No. No bad <laughs> idea. Yeah, but um, the biggest sucker I've ever caught was ice fishing on a worm in about two feet of water, uh, sandy bottom, and the sucker was probably. Four pounds. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was huge. Huge. So Huge. Huge. But I only, t- I only target them when I can see them. Now, am I correct that a good friend of ours has the state record for a white sucker? Uh, I think Tim Moore from Tim Moore Outdoors owns that record. Yeah. So. And he caught it ice fishing, too, I believe. He did. He just show it off again. <laughs> yeah. I'm Tim Moore. I'm a clam pro staffer. Look at all my cool stuff. That's an actual impression. That's exactly how he sounds. Yeah. <laughs> now we see if Tim listens to the show. So former friend Tim Moore. Yeah, we're going to see uh, him on Saturday. Yeah, we are. We'll make sure we mix this after Saturday. After Saturday. <laughs> all 
right, Sullivan, we hope that helps you uh, enjoy Burlington and have a good, good fall. Check in with us when you catch some fish. Fish in the news. <laughs> fish news. Yay! All fish news is good news. Usually. Yeah. So the headline of this piece that um, comes from us, I believe to us from Bloomberg, is fish choking balls have states limiting cosmetic contents. Fish choking balls. Fish choking balls. I, You know, I'm. it might be another t-shirt. according to the story that was published uh today Mm -hmm. the microbeads the tiny plastic balls added to body scrubs and toothpaste are now showing up in fish now fish have a gut full and some u.s and state lawmakers want the ingredient banned wow i know go figure right (laughs) figure (laughs) With potentially 19 tons of particles discharged into New York's wastewater annually. So that's just New York. Right. But nobody 19... else is wearing balls as jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. Hey, what are you wearing? Those are balls. <laughs> I got balls on my neck. Aren't they beautiful? <laughs> I got beautiful balls. <laughs> I wash with them. I feed the fishes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. You're from New Jersey, aren't you? I am. I am. Yeah. Uh, 19 tons in New York. Uh, traces are, according to the story, traces are winding up in the digestive and circulatory systems of animals, including perch. And researchers around the world have detected them in marine mussels and shore crabs. Mm. What a shore They're, crab? Shore crab, yeah. So they have crabs on the balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah. Their synthetic molecules bind to chemicals to become a pathway for pollutants to enter the food chain and contaminate the fish and the wildlife we eat, according to the report. Wow. What? What? Um. What's it actually do? Uh, they, the story doesn't quite get into that and they think it's benign, like the actual balls Mm -hmm. don't do anything, but because you're eating all these balls, you have all these balls in your system, it screws them up and and it's like a gateway, like bad stuff attaches to the balls and gets into your system. Really? Yes. So they're saying... So they're saying they don't actually know, and they're just making some crap up. They're probably really bad for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, right. it can't be good. Right. So it must there's be 19 bad. tons of balls out there. Got 19 tons of it all in one fish. Yeah. Wow. Perch. Remarkable. Perch. They only <laughs> mentioned perch. Well, you know why? Why? Because no one cares. Like, people who, when they're reading <laughs> news stories, they can say any fish they want. As long as it's not salmon, nobody knows what they're talking about. Like the general true. public don't know. They couldn't name seven species of fish. So yeah. just call it a perch. Okay, good enough. Move on. Perch. Perch. That's why they need to hire fish nerds to help them ed- make edits on these stories so we can make sure they name the fish properly and they are specific so that way they are credible. 
So, so real quick, they did interview Procter and Gamble, mm-hmm. and uh, the quotes were: "While the ingredient in question is completely safe, we understand there is a growing preference for Procter and Gamble to remove this ingredient." Mm-hmm. So, Procter and Gamble will. Well, that's market research. You know, <laughs> a negative story comes out, they have to respond with, "Okay, well, we'll get rid of it." I know. I, I wish I was there for that for that customer survey. You I know, know where they call you up and go, "Do you prefer balls in your cosmetics?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want them, we'll take them out. But yeah, I think it's the greatest answer. I think so. Your company, you're a huge multinational company. Yep. And a negative press comes out, and you rather than get defensive and say no comment, you go, "Really? You don't like that? All right. Well, we'll get rid of it then." And then, like, the story ends. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Bye. Like, <laughs> there's no controversy. True. Nothing happens. I know. <laughs> I know. That, that's what you call a successful company. That's, that's amazing. Yes. So next time you get controversy in your life, just agree with it. Oh, you don't like – like, that worked. You know, your boss is hassling you. Dave, there's a lot of uh, spelling errors in the latest report you wrote. Oh, you don't, you, don't, you don't like spelling errors? Okay, well, I'll fix them. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> you're not defensive. It takes all the power out of it. <laughs> it's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So that is fish in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't like fish news? So, well, all right, we'll get rid of it. The doctor is in. Dr. Erica Martin, our fisheries uh, PhD. Doctor. Our doctor of fishology. <laughs> F- FHD. <laughs> I, I don't know what the H means anymore, but. I don't even know. You know what? What does PhD even mean? Philosophy, doctor of philosophy. Doctor of philosophy. Yeah. So PH means philosophy. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> but Erica has once again turned in a great fish nerds minute. Um, and here it is. The doctor's back in the house. Dr. Erica Martin, welcome. Hi, nice to be back, guys. <laughs> so it's another fish nerd minute. What fish do you got for us? Today we're going to be talking about the black drum. Yeah. Cool. So this one is the um, Actinoptera GI. Again, that's the Raifen fishes. And in the order Persiformes, so that's all of your perch. So uh, most folks are familiar with perch. Typically they have two dorsal fins on their back. Um, And these guys uh, are marine. So I think one of the few marine species that I have talked about since I'm pretty biased towards fresh water. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you're branching out. That's awesome. <laughs> well, there's so many to choose from. I can't stay in freshwater forever. Uh, the black drum is Pagonius chromus. That's its scientific name. And interestingly, it is the only species in that genus. So it's oh, pretty unique. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so lonely. It makes me sad. <laughs> oh, it sounds like one of you have recently caught some black drum. Recently, uh, what's that, May? Is that recent? Yeah, that's recent. <laughs> recent enough. Um, yeah. So uh, they do uh, reach an excess of 90 pounds. Did you guys catch anything like that? 
Absolutely. No. No, I did not. <laughs> and the world Mine was probably probably three pounds. Three pounds. Well it uh, I was reading some stuff on uh, the, how to catch black drum and how to prepare black drum. And um, the general consensus is if you're cooking black drum, the smaller specimens are more tasty. Oh, I should have kept it. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and they actually were um, anything over 15 pounds should just go ahead and be released. Oh, nice. And that is brought to you by the Black Drum Association. <laughs> <laughs> They're unionized, you know, those black drum. Oh, I'm sure they are. That's why they, they drum a lot. It's to rally the yeah, troops. Exactly. <laughs> I know. It's, they're drum circles. They annoy all the other fish, but um, <laughs> but they're very well organized. They don't know what they're protesting, they but they're upset about it. <laughs> That's right. I don't like that guy for some reason. <laughs> all right. So we do know the black drum are marine. So do you guys happen to know what their general range is? Or where where they are uh, in the marine? <laughs> I'm thinking the Gulf, Gulf of Mexico. Yep, that's a, that's a start. Yeah, that's where I caught that's where I caught mine. I got mine in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So that's a start. So they're more wide ranging. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they are. Well, they're in the uh, Western Atlantic. Um, they can get all the way up to Nova Scotia, down to the Caribbean coast, Gulf of Mexico, all the way down to Argentina, South America. They can get to Nova Scotia. Yeah, way up there. Not not very often. Typically, they're um, much warmer waters, but they have been found up there. That means we can catch one up here, Dave. That, that's <laughs> true. And I know the Gulf Stream does weird little wiggles up our way. A friend of ours, Tim Moore, who's a fishing guide, last mm-hmm. year caught a trigger fish um, out uh, just off of Portsmouth, and he got the state record because no one, I don't think, has ever even seen huh. a trigger fish up here. <laughs> but um, but yeah, things come up from the Gulf Stream, and I bet you that Black Drum report is also associated with some that decided to go on a little vacation and oh. follow the Gulf Stream up. There you go. Very Finding Nemo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the black drum, uh, research has shown, are capable of producing tones between 100 and 500 hertz. So that's uh, that would be the pitch, not necessarily the loudness. Loudness would be decibels. So they have, mm-hmm. you know, a relatively decent range for producing those croaks. Um, typically those are going to be, um, mating calls, uh, finding where they are in respect to stuff around them and talking to each other about very basic stuff. So it's pretty cool. little, um, form of communication. Hey, 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 oh. Joe, how's the weather on your side of the pond? Yeah, mine's good too. There you go. No, but, but they're sort of baritone. So they're like, Hey baby, how are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm talking in low hertz. It hurts so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, So how do you think they make that sound? Oh, I I, think there's... Oh, you know this. No, I'm going to guess. I I think they they burp from their air bladder. Okay. All right. So you're pretty close. Uh, It does involve the gas bladder. Um which in most fish, the, there's called sonic muscles, so the muscles that could produce sound around the air bladder or gas bladder. Mm-hmm. Most of species, that's very superficial. So um, the only known exception is the black drum, which the sonic muscle is actually intrinsic. So it is firmly attached 
to the wall of the swim bladder. That's very unique, even for other species that make the croaking sound. Oh, that's that's really so. great. Really interesting. Yeah, and um, they do know that the, there's been documented males making the croaking sound, but they're unsure if females do as well. That's still up for debate. Huh. Huh. That's so, amazing. But they have they have the physical capabilities of doing it. Um, yes, they should both. But they um, let's see. One study uh, by Fish and Mowbray in 1970 said that the drumming characteristics um, between the sexes uh, suggests a difference in the actual sound production mechanism. So what that means is while they probably have a very similar body outlay, there's something between the males and females that's different. We just don't know what that is yet. You know who I think biologists ought to talk to fishing guides who catch these things every day? I guarantee they would know if a male and female croak or drum because they're catching them every single day and they would have seen every variation of these things. And uh, So I think, I think biologists and fishing guides need to be friends. I think that is an excellent idea. <laughs> a few of the folks down in Louisiana ha- uh, had some kind of cook-off to see if people could tell the difference between a red fish and a black drum, and they could not. So, oh, I'm, not, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah. <laughs> that's good information. I love those mm-hmm. kind of things. So, Erica, I know in the Mississippi drainage there's a freshwater drum. Have you encountered those? Uh, yes, a Plodonatus grunians. Ah, very nice. Uh, the uh, how, how do they compare to these guys? Um, well, they don't usually get quite as large, although they certainly are capable of uh, getting big. I think the the largest one that I caught uh, this was when I was eighteen years old on the Wabash River in Indiana. Uh-huh. And it was so big that um, we had to take two of our electrofishing nets and just put it around the head and the tail to lift it into the boat. Jeez. And it was about three feet in length. And just from the width of it was maybe like seven inches. It was incredibly large. And instead of that pretty gray color, it was this really weird, like, dirty yellow. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it was wow. very bizarre looking. So I will never forget that. <laughs> I bet not. They're they're really. I I would catch them when I would smallmouth bass fish because they'll, mm-hmm. they'll uh, they seem to like go after crayfish and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but never anything like that. Oh wow, how weird and how weird that the coloration changed. Yeah, it was very weird. <laughs> so the black drum. 